It's 6 p.m. and you are tuned to your community radio station, KVMR-FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. Today is Monday, August 14th. I'm Kelly Reese and this is your KVMR Evening News. First up, the California report investigates the plight of low-income workers who've been shorted on their paychecks. Despite winning claims with state regulators, many may never recover the money they're owed. Tonight's report heads to one Bay Area county that's telling some employers to pay up. After National Native News, we've got your local news and weather forecast. And KVMR's Felton Pruitt speaks with Nevada City's Chamber of Commerce Executive Director about some new downtown developments, including a hotel above Communal Cafe, updates on the Onyx Theater's expansion, and outdoor dining parklets. That's ahead. This is the California Report. I'm Adi Bolaños in San Francisco. Here are some California stories we're following. As many students and teachers return to classrooms for the 2023-24 to 24 school year, school districts in Fresno, Los Angeles, and San Diego are already making room for four-year-olds starting transitional kindergarten. This comes two years ahead of Governor Gavin Newsom's 2025 deadline to make transitional kindergarten available to all four-year-olds in California. And in Humboldt County, some college students will live at a casino this school year in the face of housing shortages. The College of the Redwoods has announced a deal with the Bear River Band of the Ronerville Rancheria to house students at the Bear River Casino Resort. In the Sierra Nevada mountains, wildlife officials have discovered a new pack of gray wolves, a mom and her four offspring. The species was hunted to extinction in California in the 1920s. But in 2011, a wolf known as OR7 crossed the state line from Oregon. DNA results show the adult female in this new pack of wolves is a direct descendant of OR7. There are now three wolf packs in California. Support for the California Report comes from Guideline. Their automated 401k plans can be set up in 20 minutes. More at guideline.com CA. Guideline, the California way to 401k. The California Healthcare Foundation, listening to black Californians, a new study on how the healthcare system undermines the pursuit of good health. On the web at chcf.org lbca. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt through the Schmidt Family Foundation, working together to create a just world where all people have access to renewable energy, clean air and water, and healthy food. On the web at theschmidt.org. Thousands of low-income California workers shorted on their paychecks may never recover that money, even when they've won claims with state regulators. As KQED's labor correspondent Farida Javala Romero reports, one Bay Area county is giving some employers an ultimatum. Pay what you owe or don't do business here. On a recent afternoon in downtown Gilroy, a group wearing green buttons that say Community Outreach pulled a cart full of brochures on the sidewalk. So this is a list of all of the food businesses in Gilroy. They're partnering with the county to visit hundreds of local small businesses serving food to make sure they're up to speed on workplace laws. I have a brochure for you here to give to the owner if you don't mind. At Tempo Kitchen and Bar, Melissa Sanchez with the Fair Workplace Collaborative hands general manager Ricardo Rivas a pamphlet on something called food permit wage theft enforcement and invites him to a free training. Rivas says he'll sign up. 
there's so many different things involved with between state and county and federal laws, um, especially as far as labor goes. So being able to stay compliant with it, ensure that we are treating our workers here fairly and accordance to the law is definitely a major importance for us. Since 2019, Santa Clara's Food Permit Wage Theft Enforcement Program has leveraged the food permits they issue to help the state with a big problem, recovering money for workers cheated out of their wages, even when a court has ordered their employers to pay. So far, the program has recovered more than $110,000 for workers there. The county's Office of Labor Standards Enforcement comps state records to spot local food retailers with unpaid judgments and tells them to comply or risk losing the permit they need to operate in Santa Clara. It's one county, uh, one specific industry we're talking about here, but it's been very helpful. James Yang is with the state agency tasked with investigating wage theft, the Labor Commissioner's Office. Yang's team deals with employers who don't settle or pay for their violations before a case ends in a court judgment. And that judgment enforcement unit needs all the help it can get. These specific employers, sometimes that come through our office, will do everything they can to avoid these payments. So they start moving property. They start trying to sell, tra- sell or transfer the business, getting rid of real estate, whatever it is. Yang says the unit is pretty effective at clawing back money in cases they can really focus on. But they can't intensively investigate all of the more than 6,000 unpaid judgments referred to them in the last decade. It's impossible to keep up because out of only 22 staff positions they have statewide, roughly half are vacant. Mirna Arana is an immigrant from Guatemala, living in San Leandro now. She works as a house cleaner and has two young kids. Arana says her former employer filed for bankruptcy, and the judgment she won was referred to Yang's team for help about two years ago. But she still hasn't seen any of the wages and overtime pay her old boss owes her. Ha sido un, un tiempo muy este... It's been stressful, hard, she says. The awful experience of feeling exploited at her job inspired her to start her own business cleaning homes. But while she gets enough clients, she still relies on food stamps and worries about how to pay her rent. Five years after she first filed her wage claim, she says she's come to feel the judgment in her favor is just a piece of paper. I believe it's a business model. I think they know there's no consequences, and they just don't pay. In Santa Clara County, Ruth Silver Tobe and other workers' rights advocates have pushed for more consequences. They're behind the county's food permit enforcement program, and they've helped convince cities in the county, like Sunnyvale and Milpitas, that it's to their benefit, too, to deny business permits or contracts to employers with unpaid judgments at the labor commissioners. Wage theft is on everyone's uh, radar now, and I do believe that... uh, there's a consensus that it's not acceptable in this county. It's just that we have a lot of work to do still. 
but already other counties in California are expressing interest about setting up programs like Santa Clara's to hold more wage thieves accountable. For the California Report, I'm Farida Javala Romero. And that's the California Report for Monday, August 14th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm your host, Madi Bolaños. Thanks for listening and have a great day. What's in a name? Well, for some, a lot. Members of the Native American Journalists Association recently voted to change the organization's name. In the latest National Native News, we hear strong opinions from both sides of that vote. This is National Native News. I'm Jill Freitas from KMBA in Anchorage, Alaska, filling in for Antonia Gonzalez. Members of the Native American Journalists Association voted last week to change the organization's name to the Indigenous Journalists Association. The name change received more than 60% of votes. Members had various opinions on whether or not to change the name. Longtime member Roy Dick from Yakima Nation in Washington was against the name change. They're trying to make it international, and we're used to what we work for. Like myself, I'm a radio man, and you know everybody turns the radio on to hear what I have to say, and I tell them I'm part of Naja. And they ask me, what's Naja? And that's Native American journalist, and that includes radio, TV, and print. And to me, that, that, that identifies us as a, gr- a special group of people. Other members, like first-year member Darla Panes, an intern with Eagle Feather News outside of Saskatchewan, voted to change the name. Uh, it included more um, Indigenous people from, because there's Indigenous people from Canada, the U.S., you know, across the ocean. So I thought it made it seem more inclusive for other Indigenous people. That's why I voted to change the name not to step on anyone's heels <laughs> or toes. The vote took place as members from the U.S. and Canada were celebrating 40 years of the organization in Winnipeg last week. The University of Oregon and the Coquille Indian Tribe are partnering up on research to reduce carbon emissions. KLCC's Brian Bull reports. The UO has a five-year, $3 million grant to study ways to cut climate-changing carbon. It'll incorporate environmental findings, artificial intelligence, and indigenous knowledge to help address challenges to the environment. Jason Yonker is chief of the Coquille Tribe, as well as UO Assistant Vice President and an advisor on government-to-government relations for the administration. He says it's important for traditional ecological knowledge to be included. Our whole world is warming up. That's affecting the water. It's affecting our salmon. It's affecting everything. And what can a small little tribe from the southern Oregon coast do to help be an example for other people? The National Science Foundation-funded study aims to involve more indigenous perspectives and offer a range of carbon-cutting actions that communities can choose to carry out. For National Native News, I'm Brian Bull. Advocates urged President Biden to rapidly phase out fossil fuels and stop endorsing false climate solutions like hydrogen and carbon capture and sequestration during a recent visit to New Mexico. Members of the New Mexico No False Solutions Coalition unfurled banners that said, quote, keep it in the ground and invest in renewables on I-25 southbound en route to the president's stop in Belen, New Mexico. Under President Biden, the Department of Energy is promoting hydrogen across the country. New Mexico, along with other states, is seeking federal funding to build out large-scale hydrogen projects. In June, NMNFS sent a letter to the Department of Energy urging it to reject New Mexico's application for federal hydrogen funding, highlighting climate, environmental justice, health, and safety concerns. 
NMNFS member Sofia Martinez warned that a hydrogen economy will lock in dirty fossil fuels in the state in a time when New Mexico needs to rapidly transition away from oil and gas and said, quote, first it was nuclear and now hydrogen is coming into New Mexico. We are tired of being the testing grounds and sacrifice zones for untested sources of energy, end quote. According to the group, climate fuel disasters have had massive human and financial costs. The group says last year alone, communities in the U.S. experienced 18 separate weather and climate disasters, causing almost $170 billion in damages and almost 500 direct or indirect fatalities. About 95% of hydrogen is produced using fossil fuels. I'm Jill Freitas. National Native News is produced by Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation with funding by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Support by Sanofsky Chambers Law, championing tribal sovereignty and Native American rights since 1976, from opioids litigation to treaty rights to tribal self-governance, with offices in Washington, D.C., New Mexico, California, and Alaska. Sanofsky Chambers Law. Support by Vision Maker Media, envisioning a world changed and healed by understanding Native stories and the public conversations they generate. 45-plus years of Native stories and Indigenous knowledge through film and media can be found at visionmakermedia.org. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network. Now let's take a look at your local news. Today, a press release from the Nevada County Sheriff's Office says 20-year-old Grass Valley resident Kenneth Kenny Braid Fox was arrested at the Nevada County Fairground on Sunday for distributing obscene matter to children with the intent to seduce minors and for committing a felony while out on own recognizance release. The Nevada County Sheriff's Office was on patrol at the fairgrounds when it received a report from a vigilant fair vendor who indicated a male, later identified as Fox, was harassing several underage teens. Major Crimes Unit Detective Josephine Strachan responded to investigate. The detective gathered statements and evidence that supported the allegations. When questioned, Fox openly admitted to soliciting minors and sending unsolicited lewd material to children. The KVMR news team has previously reported on Fox in April. He was arrested by the Nevada County Sheriff's Office on similar charges this spring. He's been out of custody on court-owned recognizance release, pending ongoing court proceedings. Fox has been rearrested on new charges and booked into the Wayne Brown Correctional Facility in Nevada City. This time round, he remains in custody on a $100,000 bond. The Nevada County Office of Emergency Services is hosting four virtual community wildfire protection plan lunch and learns throughout August that are open to the public. The meetings will be hour-long workshops hosted online from noon to 1 p.m. They're organized geographically by forecast zones. What's a forecast zone, you may be wondering? Nevada County has elevations ranging from 1,000 to over 7,000 feet. Forecast zones were developed based on fire environment and community identity. These zones help planners more acutely understand the differences in fire hazards across the county and identify zone-specific wildfire risk reduction opportunities. 
During each Lunch and Learn, the Office of Emergency Services will review initial results from the Nevada County Wildfire Hazard Analysis and Public Survey, as well as provide opportunities for community engagement. The Higgins-Penn Valley Forecast Zone meeting takes place Tuesday, August 15th. Grass Valley, Nevada City will be Wednesday, August 16th. Tahoe National Forest Area is Tuesday, August 22nd. And the Truckee Donner Zone will be Wednesday, August 23rd. You can register for the workshops and find your forecast zone at readynevadacounty.org cwpp. Now let's take a look at your local forecast from the National Weather Service. We've got a heat advisory in effect for much of our listening area until 11 p.m. Thursday. Those in the Sacramento Valley and foothills will experience widespread moderate heat risk. The hottest days are forecast to be Tuesday and Wednesday, with warm overnight temperatures bringing little relief. Prepare for areas of major heat risk in the valley on Tuesday. For those in Grass Valley and Nevada City, tonight mostly cloudy before gradually becoming clear with a low around 67 degrees. A 20% chance of showers and thunderstorms before 11 p.m. Tuesday, sunny and hot with a high near 98. Tuesday night will be mostly cloudy before becoming clear with a low around 70 degrees. In Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight mostly cloudy then gradually becoming clear with a low around 51. A 30% chance of precipitation with scattered showers and thunderstorms mainly before 8 p.m. Tuesday, increasing clouds with a high near 84. Possibility of scattered showers and thunderstorms after 11 a.m. Tuesday night will be partly cloudy with a low around 52 degrees. A 20% chance of showers and thunderstorms before 11 p.m. And in Sacramento and Woodland, tonight mostly clear with a low around 69 degrees. Tuesday, sunny and hot with a high near 104. Tuesday night will be mostly clear with a low around 69 degrees. You're listening to the Evening News on KVMR. KVMR's Felton Pruitt is here with your latest Nevada City Chamber report. You may have noticed several building projects throughout downtown. Well, Felton brings us updates on the Brewbilt Brewhouse Beer Garden, Three Forks Outdoor Dining Parklet, and a brand new hotel above Communal Cafe. That's up next. We're talking with Stuart Baker. He's Nevada City's Chamber of Commerce Executive Director. And we've got a lot of stuff coming up in the next month. Stuart, why don't you lay it on us? Sure, Felton. Good to talk with you. Uh, well, um, there are a lot of things civic-minded uh, for civic-minded folks coming up. Um, and uh, then we have, of course, Constitution Day, which I'll talk about in a minute. So first of all, for all folks that are interested in how things are um, moving forward in Nevada City, um, there was recently passed a public arts ordinance, which we're very much excited about. And um, this will enable public art to be in Nevada City, which prior to this, there was never really an ordinance that enabled that. And the focus of the initial phase of the ordinance will be on Seven Hills. So we're putting a lot of energy in there. We're seeing where we can uh, include art. Um, the, uh, the onyx will be expanding and it will have a mural and we're looking for spots for sculptures, etc. cetera. Um, if you're interested in being a part of this process, the next vibrancy committee meeting uh, that's um, with the city that guides this process will be on Thursday, September 7th. 
at 6 p.m. in the city council chambers. So um, mark your calendars for that if you're interested. We work together with the merchants to come up with a new logo for Seven Hills. So we'll be promoting that, trying to bring more of an identity into our um, locals' favorite part of town. And so uh, that will be also part of the, uh, the vibrancy process. Some other things that are exciting in town, we're really upping our game for outdoor dining. Friar Tucks just completed their uh, outdoor seating parklet, um, taking up two parking spots on North Pine Street. We're working hard with Bistro 221 and Java Johns to also have outdoor seating. And in about a week's time, Three Forks is going to be unveiling their outdoor seating parklet, which is in the parking lot in front of Three Forks. So that's super exciting. Some other news, Rebuilt is continuing moving forward with the beer garden at Spring Street and South Pine. And there's going to be a new hotel above the communal cafe called 1856. And it has some uh, gorgeous rooms. I've uh, done a tour of it two weeks ago, and um, it'll be a great addition to our growing uh, lodging scene. And then finally, in terms of activities for, uh, for families to go to in September, we have the Constitution Day, which is going to be over the weekend of Saturday, September 16th and 17th, that weekend. Um, there'll be the Revolutionary War Days taking place on Saturday in Pioneer Park. There'll be a concert for Constitution Day on Saturday, September 16th at 4.30. And then the parade, as usual, with the marching presidents on Sunday, September 17th at 2 p.m. And, of course, the 49er duck race also in the afternoon on Sunday. So we're excited about that. Uh, there'll be a shuttle from the Rood Center on Sunday from noon to six to take in all the activities happening on Sunday. That's always a big thing here in downtown Nevada City, Constitution Day with the marching presidents. That's pretty cool stuff. Yeah, it is. And what's so exciting about it is really it's one of the few events like it in the country. And when we think about how important it is to really understand uh, this document that really guides us as a nation, it's just a great opportunity to have appreciation for that, to uh, honor it and to gather around and unify behind it. All good. Anything else you want folks to know, Stuart? I think we're good. So um, get out there and enjoy the outdoors in this beautiful August, and uh, we'll catch you again next month, Felton. All right. That's Stuart Baker. He's the executive director of the Nevada City Chamber of Commerce. We'll see you very soon, Stuart. Thanks. Thanks so much. That's our newscast for Monday, August 14th. Listen to anything you may have missed on our website, kvmr.org. KVMR gets support from generous listeners like you and Sierra College Nevada County Campus, offering degrees and educational programs for training for a job or a career. Fall semester registration is now open with online registration at sierracollege.edu slash ucan. Support for KVMR's Future of Radio project comes from AJA Video Systems, empowering the next generation of local journalists and broadcasters. The KVMR Evening News is produced by KVMR News Director Claudio Mendonca. As always, thanks for tuning in. I'm Kelly Reese, signing off. Join us Tuesday at 6 for another edition of the KVMR Evening News.